Hello, this is Empires and Civilizations. Episode 11, The Second Fitna. If the widespread dissent against the Umayyads after Muawiyah's death was a fire, then Hussein's martyrdom at the Battle of Karbala was the metaphorical equivalent of dumping gasoline onto that fire. The Second Fitna was a 12-year-long conflict between not two, not three, but four opposing sides. The Umayyads, the Zubayrids, who were supporters of Abdallah ibn al-Zubayr, the Alids, supporters of the family of Ali, and the Karajites. As the war progressed, each side's relationships with the other sides changed, making the Second Fitna even more complicated. Obviously, describing the Second Fitna is no easy task, yet its legacy will be felt decades or even centuries after its conclusion. So pay attention, and I'll do my best to make this episode as understandable as possible. The Battle of Karbala had shocked the Muslim world, and Abdallah ibn al-Zubayr, still residing in Mecca, stigmatized the people of Iraq, calling them traitors and liars for inviting Hussein to their territory and then attacking him. Abdallah publicly called for a shura, a council that would decide who should be caliph, following the model Umar created shortly before his death. However, his followers were giving the oath of allegiance to him in secret, meaning that they recognized him as the true caliph. Since Hussein was destroyed, Abdallah was the only person with a legitimate claim to be caliph who was in revolt, meaning that he was the last hope for those disillusioned with Yazid. People in Medina were increasingly being won over to Abdallah's cause. Meanwhile, in August 681, shortly before the Hajj, Yazid had reappointed Al-Walid ibn Utba as governor of Medina and dismissed Amr ibn Sayyid. Yazid was unsatisfied with Amr because he failed to curb the rising influence of Abdallah ibn al-Zubayr. Al-Walid hoped to see Abdallah, but Abdallah was inaccessible. Then came the pilgrimage. Al-Walid led his followers, Abdallah led his followers, and a Karajite leader, Najda ibn Amr al-Hanafi, led his followers. All three groups completed their pilgrimage independently, illustrating the divisions within the Islamic community. The next move came from Abdallah, who wrote to Yazid about his selection of Al-Walid ibn Utbah, quote, you have sent us a stupid man who does not direct us to a straightforward situation and will not listen to the advice of the wise. If you sent us a man with an easy disposition and gentle attitude, I would hope that affairs that have seemed difficult would become easy and what was at variance would become united." End quote. In response, Yazid dismissed al-Walid and appointed Uthman ibn Muhammad ibn Abu Sufyan in his place. In addition, Yazid hoped to earn the allegiance of leading notables of Medina by showering them with gifts, but the Medinese, under the leadership of Abdallah ibn Hanzala al-Ghazil al-Ansari, renounced their allegiance to Yazid and attacked the Umayyad nobles living in Medina. They besieged the house of Marwan ibn al-Hakam. While the Umayyads had about 1,000 men, the Medinese had much greater numbers. Luckily, Yazid received a letter from Marwan asking for help. Yazid assembled an army of 12,000 volunteers led by Muslim ibn Uqba al-Muri, a veteran of the Battle of Sifin, and sent it immediately towards Hejaz, but he could not prevent the Umayyads from being expelled from Medina. Before the Umayyads living in Medina were expelled, they swore oaths not to provide intelligence about the Medinese to the enemy. The exiled Umayyads linked up with Muslim ibn Uqba at Wadi al-Qura, and while most remained faithful to their oaths, Marwan's son, Abd al-Malik, provided useful intelligence. Rather than marching from the north, Abd al-Malik suggested marching from the village of Al-Hara, which was located in the east, and Muslim took his advice. The Battle of Al-Hara was fought on August 27, 683. 
Muslim Ibn Uqba promised three days of respite, but after three days, the fighting spirit in the Medinese was still high. Meanwhile, the Medinese had dug a defensive trench at one of their flanks. The battle began when the Medinese cavalry launched an attack against the Syrian cavalry, separating it from the main Umayyad army. It was at this point that Muslim standard bearer, who was mistaken for Muslim, was killed. However, Muslim, very much alive, took his standard, rallied his troops, and smashed into the Medinese foot soldiers. The Medinese broke and fled to Mecca, while Muslim allowed his troops three days to pillage Medina. Having taken Medina, Muslim executed several leaders of the opposition movement and forced the remaining Medinese to swear loyalty to Yazid. After securing Medina, Muslim ibn Uqba continued towards Mecca, hoping to finish off Abdullah ibn al-Zubair once and for all. Unfortunately, along the way, Muslim died, and Hussein ibn Numayir took control of Umayyad forces. Abdullah was reinforced by the Karajites and the people who were fleeing from Medina. The Umayyads met the Zubayrids in an opening confrontation in which the Umayyads were victorious. Starting on September 23, 683, the Umayyads laid siege to the holy city. On October 31, 683, the sacred Kaaba caught fire and burned down. Some sources blame the besiegers for this atrocity, while others claim that a gust of wind blew a spark that spread to the Kaaba's wooden structure. On November 11th, Yazid I died in the city of Homs in Syria. Yazid is acknowledged as one of the worst caliphs in history. News of Yazid's death somehow only reached the Zubayrids, who used this information to their advantage. They claim that since the Umayyad's tyrant was dead, they had no reason to continue fighting. Hussein ibn Numayir agreed to withdraw towards Medina. By leaving Abdallah ibn al-Zubair in Mecca, Hussein failed to eradicate his power. With the death of Yazid, the Zubayrids grew in strength. Soon, Egypt and Iraq recognized Abdallah ibn al-Zubair as their caliph. Abdallah ibn al-Zubair constructed a new Kaaba and even began appointing his own governors. Yazid had wished that after his death, his son Muawiyah would become caliph. Thus, in Damascus, Umayyad nobles were swearing allegiance to Muawiyah II. Sources disagree on the length of Muawiyah II's reign, varying from 20 days to 4 months, but since nothing is known about Muawiyah II, he could not have reigned longer than 2 months. On his accession, Muawiyah remitted one-third of the taxation due, but ill health prevented him from traveling much. The cause of Muawiyah II's death was also unclear. It could have been from jaundice or the plague, or perhaps he was poisoned. The Umayyads had a political crisis on their hands. In Basra, the local people rose up against Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad, and the Ashraf ejected him from the city. In Kufa, the Umayyad governor, Amr ibn Huraith, was also deposed. In Damascus, al-Dahak ibn Qais al-Firi took over as the Zubayrid governor. Even worse, Muawiyah II died without a clear successor. The tribes themselves were divided based on succession. The Qais, a collection of tribes located in northern Syria, supported Abdallah ibn al-Zubair, while the Kalb, a collection of tribes located in southern Syria, supported the Umayyads. Leading Umayyad nobles met in the city of Jabia to pick a successor to Muawiyah II. The two leading contenders for the throne were Yazid's son Khalid and Marwan ibn al-Hakam. Marwan was initially inclined to accept Abdallah ibn al-Zubair, but thanks to the urging of the exiled Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad, Marwan allowed himself to be considered as a candidate. In the end, the Umayyads chose Marwan based on his age and experience. Marwan eventually agreed to marry Khalid's mother, thus assuming the role of Khalid's guardian. It was agreed that Khalid would be Marwan's successor. Marwan was born between 623 and 626. 
He may have personally known Muhammad, but it was clear that he served as Uthman's secretary, no doubt assisting with the codification of the Quran. Marwan campaigned in North Africa, capturing enough plunder to earn him a fortune, which he used to purchase property in Medina. After serving as governor of Fars, Marwan was wounded during the siege of Uthman's house and fought for Aisha during the Battle of the Camel. When he personally slew Talha, he strangely switched sides and gave allegiance to Ali after the battle. After the first fitna, Marwan served in various positions, such as governor of Bahrain and Medina, and by the second fitna, he was the senior member of the Umayyad family. Marwan was given the oath of allegiance in August or September 684. Still, Marwan inherited a political crisis. Al-Dahak ibn Qais had encamped with his 30,000 Zubayrid and Qais followers at a place called Mar Shrahit, where he publicly proclaimed the oath of allegiance to Abdallah ibn al-Zubayr. Marwan, with 13,000 men, fought al-Dahak in 20 days of skirmishes, and on the final day, al-Dahak was slain. Although the details are unclear, the Battle of Mar Shrahit, fought in June or August 684, was a much-needed Umayyad victory, allowing them to secure Syria. With Marwan's accession, the Umayyads would begin to fight back against the Zubayrids. The Zubayrid governor of Egypt was expelled, and Marwan secured that province by February or March 685, and appointed his son Abdulaziz as Egypt's governor. Marwan defeated a Zubayrid invasion of Palestine and even attempted an invasion of Hejaz, but that was repulsed. Meanwhile, a different narrative was unfolding in the east. Yazid I's governor of Khorasan, Salm ibn Ziyad, was popular for leading the first successful expeditions across the Oxus River. When Yazid I died, the Arab army initially offered allegiance to Salm, but they later expelled him and installed a pro-Zubayrid governor, Abdallah ibn Kazim. However, Abdallah found himself bogged down by tribal conflicts. The Shia believed that they had committed a grave offense by failing to assist Hussein ibn Ali during the Battle of Karbala. They decided that they could atone for their perceived sins by launching a movement under the leadership of Suleiman ibn Surad. A staunch partisan of Ali, Suleiman had been one of the main voices inviting Hussein to revolt. This group called themselves the Tawabin, or Penitents. They kept their message secret until Yazid I died and Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad was ousted. They even had their own slogan, Revenge for Hussein. However, the Tawabin had no single objective or organization, a fact criticized by the pro-Alid nobleman Mukhtar al-Takafi, although few listened to him. The Tawabin organized their camp at Nukela. However, Suleiman ibn Sirad was shocked to discover that out of the 16,000 Shia who pledged their support, only 4,000 were present. After visiting Hussein's tomb, the Tawabin moved up the Euphrates to Ain al-Warda in northern Syria, five days before the Umayyads arrived. The Umayyads are divided into two forces. The first, consisting of 8,000 men under Shurabil ibn D. al-Kala, was attacked and dispersed by the Tawabin. The next day, which was January 4, 685, the second part of the Umayyad army, consisting of 12,000 men under Hussein ibn Numayir, arrived. Hussein asked for the Tawabin to surrender, and in turn, the Tawabin demanded that Hussein hand over Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. Both sides refused their enemy's proposals. The Battle of Ain al-Warda happened over multiple days. On the first day, the Tawabin gained the upper hand, pushing the Umayyads back to their camp, but the arrival of night forced them to give up their pursuit. On the next day, Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad ordered Shurabil ibn D al-Kala to return to the battle, and both sides suffered horrific losses. On the third day, the numerical superiority of the Umayyads was evident. Pressed on all sides, the Tawabin fought desperately, 
but Suleiman ibn Sirad was struck by two arrows and killed. Although Tawabin reinforcements were on their way from various cities in Iraq, the main Tawabin army was annihilated. The remnants of the Tawabin army retreated to the cities from which they came from. Meanwhile, in Damascus, Marwan I died in April or May 685 after completing several successful military expeditions. Although Marwan did not last long, all future Umayyad caliphs would belong to the same family, the Marwanids. Previously, Yazid I's son Khalid was the designated heir, but after Marwan successfully reconquered Egypt, he changed the line of succession to make his sons Abd al-Malik and Abd al-Aziz as his heirs, in that order. So when Marwan died, his son Abd al-Malik became the new caliph. The Shia found a new leader too, Mukhtar al-Taghafi. Mukhtar was another Shia partisan, but he was imprisoned by Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad while Hussein was killed at Karbala. Afterwards, he was released through the intercession of his brother-in-law. Mukhtar promised to give Abdallah ibn al-Zubair the oath of allegiance if Abdallah would give him some prominent position, but Abdallah refused, and the opportunity was lost. Still, in the early years of the second fitna, Mukhtar seemed to have cooperated with Abdallah on several occasions. It was reported that Mukhtar aided in the defense of Mecca in 683. Some of the Kuvan Ashraf saw Mukhtar as a greater threat than the Tawabin, and Mukhtar was imprisoned for a second time. After the Tawabin were defeated at Ain al-Warda in early 685, Mukhtar was released once more due to the intercession of his brother-in-law. Mukhtar originally planned to start his revolt in August 685, but he delayed it to October 19, 685. Mukhtar claimed to be the representative of Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiya, a son of Ali, though it was unclear how and when Mukhtar made this claim. Mukhtar's movement gained considerable support when Mukhtar won over the famous Shia general Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar to his cause. According to the sources, Ibrahim rallied to Mukhtar's cause after receiving a letter purportedly written by Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiya, but it was actually written by Mukhtar. Mukhtar's revolt actually began one day before the scheduled date due to an incident in which Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar killed the chief of the Kufan Shurta, who aimed to detain Ibrahim. For three days, Ibn al-Zubair's appointed governor of Kufa was besieged in a mosque, after which Mukhtar succeeded in taking control of Kufa and overthrowing that governor. Because Mukhtar's followers were non-Arab converts, or Mawali, the Kufan Ashraf felt threatened. Taking advantage of the absence of Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar, the Kufan Ashraf rebelled, but they were crushed after Ibrahim returned to Kufa. The rebels fled to Basra, which was under Zubairid control. Mukhtar turned his attention towards the killers of Hussein ibn Ali, some of whom were still residing in Kufa. In a demonstration of loyalty to Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiya, Mukhtar ordered a purge of those who had killed Hussein at Karbala. The most prominent victim was Umar ibn Sa'd, despite the fact that his safety was previously assured by Mukhtar. Once again, Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar had to leave Kufa. Mukhtar dispatched him to deal with the Syrian expedition led by Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad, who was no doubt trying to reclaim Iraq for the Umayyads. The two sides met at the Kezir River near Mosul. Ubaidullah ordered the commander of his vanguard, Tufayl ibn Laki, to capture the village of Barita, 15 miles east of Mosul. Then, Ibrahim received astonishing news. One of Ubaidullah's generals, Umayyir ibn Hubab, was secretly on his side, and the two met during the night. They agreed on a strategy in which Ibrahim would engage the entire Umayyad army, and at the crucial moment, Umayyir would withdraw, leading to a collapse of the Umayyad army. For the remainder of the night, Ibrahim kept his guards on alert. At the crack of dawn on the next day, Ibrahim deployed his men. Sufyan ibn Yazid al-Azdi commanded Ibrahim's right wing, 
Ali ibn Malik al-Jushami commanded Ibrahim's left wing, and Abd al-Rahman ibn Abdallah commanded the cavalry. Ibrahim merged his cavalry with his right wing. Ibrahim positioned his men on a hill overlooking his enemy. Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad placed Hussein ibn Numayir in command of his left wing, and Umayyir ibn Hubab in command of his right wing. After rousing his men, ibn Ziyad led the Umayyads forward. The Umayyad right attacked the Kufan left, and after the commander of the Kufan left was killed, it retreated. However, another Kufan assumed command and stabilized the situation. Ibrahim ordered his right wing forward, hoping that Umayyir would fulfill his promise, but Umayyir did nothing. Ibrahim ordered his center forward, hoping that would break the Umayyad lines. Even Ibrahim himself participated in the assault. Both Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad and Hussein ibn Numayyir were killed, and the Umayyad army was routed. Even more Umayyads drowned in the Kazir River. After the battle, Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar returned to Kufa, satisfied that he avenged the death of Hussein. But the problems for Mukhtar were not over. After the Kuf and Ashraf were expelled from their city, they traveled to Basra, which was ruled by Abdallah ibn al-Zubair's brother Musab. The Ashraf persuaded Musab to launch an expedition against Kufa, led by Musab's most talented general, Muhalab ibn Abi Sufra, who had risen to fame as a result of successful campaigns against the Karajites. Musab sent agents to Kufa in an attempt to induce Mukhtar's supporters to leave him before leaving Basra with his army, which he divided into fifths. Mukhtar rallied his followers and encamped near the city of Madar. Unfortunately, due to a falling out between Mukhtar and Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar, Mukhtar could not call upon his top general, so he put another general, Amar ibn Shumayt, in command of his army. Because the commander of the Kufin left believed that the Mawali were weak and prone to flight if attacked, the Mawali were ordered to dismount and fight on foot. The Battle of Madhar began when both sides asked their enemy to surrender, but neither side complied. The Zubairids launched a cavalry attack, but it was repulsed by Mukhtar's forces, and the Zubairid cavalry was forced to return to their original positions. Muhalab attacked the Kufin right, led by Ibn Kamil, and the two forces jostled until Ibn Kamil was killed. Then, the Kufan right fled. Then, Amr ibn Shumayt was killed, and the entire Kufan army was in retreat. Muhalab ordered his horsemen to pursue the fleeing Kufan soldiers, and the Zubayrid cavalry inflicted massive casualties on the Kufan foot soldiers. Musab continued to pursue the fleeing Kufans, transporting his infantry and provisions by boats, while his cavalry traveled across land. Informed by his army's defeat, Mukhtar took his men to Selahin, located between Hara and al Qadisya. Selahin was strategic because it was located at the confluence of several canals. Mukhtar ordered the Euphrates to be dammed below the canals so that water from the Euphrates could be diverted into these canals. Musab could no longer rely on his boats, so his army was forced to travel by land. Zubayrid horsemen were able to break the dam and head towards Kufa, but Mukhtar was quicker, blocking their advance at Harura, located only two miles away from Kufa. When the armies met each other, Mukhtar sent one of his companions against each of the Basran fifths. Many of these fifths were driven back. Musab insisted that Muhalab attack the Kufans, but Muhalab was waiting for an opportunity. Now, that opportunity came, and Muhalab inflicted a massive defeat on the Kufans, putting them to flight. Many of Mukhtar's senior commanders were killed, and Mukhtar himself was forced to withdraw to his palace in Kufa. Musab's forces besieged Mukhtar in his palace for the next four months. Initially, the defenders did little, but Mukhtar decided to attempt a sortie. Two hundred of Mukhtar's followers stormed out of the palace, wounding one hundred Zubayrids, but he was forced to withdraw. Later, Mukhtar attempted another sortie, only with nineteen followers, in which he was killed. 
This happened on April 3rd, 687. It was said that Musab ordered the executions of 7,000 of Mukhtar's followers. With his superior executed, Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar swore loyalty to ibn al-Zubair. Having suppressed Mukhtar's revolt, Musab sent agents all over Iraq to restore control over the region. With Mukhtar dead, the two main forces left were the Umayyads and Zubairids. While conflicts raged in Iraq, Abdul Malik consolidated Syria and Palestine. While Abdul Malik was on campaign, his deputy, Amr ibn Said, had revolted in Damascus, forcing Abdul Malik to turn around and suppress the revolt. Taking advantage of instability within the Muslim world, the Byzantines invaded Syria, but in 689, Abdul Malik negotiated a 10-year truce with the Byzantine emperor in exchange for an annual tribute. Finally, in 690, Abdul Malik was ready to confront Musab ibn al-Zubair in Iraq. Abdul Malik sent his tribesman Khalid ibn Abdallah to Basra to raise support for the Umayyads. This led to a series of skirmishes with local Zubayrid forces for several days, during which Abdul Malik sent Zahr ibn Qais al-Jufi with 1,000 reinforcements. The movement was suppressed with the intervention of Musab ibn al-Zubair. The Umayyads and Zubayrids fought each other inconclusively until the winter, after which they resumed the conflict the next year. In 691, Abd al-Malik encamped at Maskin, while Musab encamped at Bajumeira. Musab's most experienced general, Muhalab ibn Abi Sufra, could not come to Musab's aid because he was fighting a Karajite faction threatening Basra. Previously, Abdallah ibn al-Zubair denounced the Karajites' tactics, turning them against him. The two armies met at Dair al-Jathalik in the Maskin district, the Battle of Maskin began when Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar, now on the side of the Zubayrids, advanced and attacked the Umayyad general Muhammad ibn Marwan. Abdul Malik then ordered Yazid I's son Abdallah to enter the battlefield. As both sides engaged in bloody fighting, many Zubayrid commanders, including Ibrahim ibn al-Ashtar, were slain. Before the battle started, Abdul Malik attempted to guarantee Musab's safety, but the latter refused. After his men started fleeing, Musa was wounded by an arrow and then decapitated. With the victory at the Battle of Maskin, Zubayrid resistance in Iraq collapsed, and the people of Iraq swore allegiance to Abd al-Malik. Muhalab, who previously sided with the Zubayrids, had his men swear loyalty to the Umayyads. As he was returning from Iraq, Abd al-Malik sent another general, al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, to confront Abdallah ibn al-Zubayr in Hejaz. Although little is known about his youth, Al-Hajjaj distinguished himself through the military and caught the attention of Abd al-Malik by suppressing a mutiny shortly before Abd al-Malik left for Iraq. Al-Hajjaj left with 2,000 men, and instead of heading for Medina like before, he headed for Taif. Ibn al-Zubair sent a detachment to try to stop Al-Hajjaj, but it was defeated. After receiving 5,000 reinforcements under Tariq ibn Amr, Al-Hajjaj besieged Mecca after receiving permission from the Caliph. For approximately six to eight months, Mecca was under siege. During the siege, a thunderstorm had occurred, and the Umayyads considered it as a divine omen and ceased the bombardment. After all, Mecca was supposed to be a holy city in which fighting was prohibited. However, Al-Hajjaj convinces men that the thunderstorm was simply natural and continued the bombardment. Morale among the defenders was so low that 10,000 defenders defected to Al-Hajjaj. Ibn al-Zubair was so distraught that he asked his mother what to do, and she told him to continue fighting. In late 692, he was killed, and Al-Hajjaj entered Mecca triumphantly. The Kaaba was restored to its pre-Zubayrid form. The last Zubayrid leader remaining was Abdallah ibn Qasim in Khorasan. Abd al-Malik offered Abdallah the governorship of Khorasan for the next seven years, provided that Abdallah swore loyalty to him, but Abdallah refused. 
Abdelmalik turned to a former Zubairin, Bukhair ibn Wishah, appointing him governor of Khorasan if he could overthrow Abdallah ibn Kazim. In the city of Merv, Bukhair propagandized openly for Abdelmalik, and the people of Merv responded favorably. Abdallah ibn Kazim headed for a son's stronghold at Tirmid, 300 miles east of Merv, but he was intercepted and killed by Bukhair's forces along the way. With the death of Abdallah ibn al-Zubair, the Islamic world was back in Umayyad control, and the Second Fitna came to a close. The Second Fitna was a hard-fought conflict that resulted in rising sectarian tensions and factionalism within the Islamic community. It also demonstrated weaknesses within the Sufyanid political system. In the Sufyanid political system, governors were chosen based on talent and relied on acceptance from the Ashraf. The Marwanids, in contrast, opted for a more direct administrative system based on governors who had military experience and were loyal to the Caliph. The Ashraf found themselves replaced by middlemen who were more responsible to the Caliph and his governors. Governors no longer met with the Ashraf anymore. Syrian troops were sent to all the provinces to maintain order. Under Abd al-Malik, the Umayyad Caliphate became a more centralized state. Now that he achieved political stability, Abdul Malik set about fulfilling his policy agenda, but that will have to wait until the next episode.